Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches' stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Today, we welcome our first returning guest, Joey Hewitt, to the podcast. Joey is a basketball player with recently completing a season in Mexico for Delphines de Mazatlan basketball, playing point guard or shooting guard. Throughout the podcast, we'll be discussing his time in Mexico, the psychology of basketball, uh, how his master's went at Loughborough University studying sport and exercise psychology, and we'll have some casual NBA chat as well. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for more exclusive content. So let's welcome Joey to the podcast. My dogs. How are you? Good, man. Good to hear from you guys. Oh, sorry about that. We had uh, we had some troubles. We we're trying out a new platform called Riverside. Um, apparently, it's higher quality, but we were uh, yeah, it was failing us massively. Yeah, yeah higher quality, but less. <laughs> exactly. And we tried it. We tested it before, like the the, the actual recording. So uh, and it went smoothly. But you know how it is with technology. It always fails when you need it the most. Exactly. Yeah. Still no mic, John. Can't can't get a pro professional mic, man. Me. Yeah, you. <clears throat> What's this? Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> I just got the headset on, making me look I just, even more I just saw the headphones, man. It, does it sound that bad or what? <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't sound too bad. It doesn't. It doesn't sound as good as as um, as Ollie's, but you're getting okay. there. <clears throat> getting there. I'm getting there. How uh, did you finish your masters? Yeah, I made it somehow. I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I was wondering whether you, you'd finished it or, or not because of obviously COVID. Um, I take it you've deferred your graduation. Uh, no, I, I just did it in absentee. So, okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to come back. I don't have time to do that, man. I wish I could, but. Okay, I okay. Elboro right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I managed to go by to Snake John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie snaked me real bad. Uh, he, I deferred mine because uh, it was it was really put in a, a difficult period, wasn't it? Like it was scheduled uh, like yeah. a few days before Christmas. Yeah. Like any overseas student, I don't think could have made made it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was yeah. tough. Twenty third December as well was such a like silly time to put a graduation. I mean, so mm-hmm. many people, especially during COVID as well. Uh, how did you find the dissertation? um man it was a lot of grinding it's funny i was sitting in this chair that i'm in right now for most yeah. of it it's like bringing me back a little bit but <laughs> no it was it, it was it was bad like there's points where i was like i'm not gonna do it like there's no way i can do yeah, this yeah. um mm. i don't know i think it, it turned out all right like my study sucked it wasn't it was very like um underpowered very yeah. you know basic level type of study but um it, as long as I got the pass, man, that's all I was I was worried about. So, hundred percent. I actually got COVID on the deadline week, so I had to. Uh, luckily, I got an extension, but it was oh, stressful. No, because COVID was affecting me bad. I, yeah, I've had a bad COVID. Way. I had COVID in June, right when I left England. Um, dude, that shit is insane. Like it's it's the mind the mind fog you get is probably yeah. the worst part that no one talks about. But man, yeah. that's what I mean. Like I was trying to concentrate because. They hadn't said that, you know, the extension had been approved. So, like, just in case it didn't get approved, I was still, like, trying to grind away. And, you know, I could not concentrate for the last minute. If anything, it was just making me worse. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, like, so bad. Your own thoughts. You're just like too deep in your own head at that point. I love to see like the psychology behind COVID. Yeah. Where are you based currently? Um, I'm currently in Arizona right now. Okay. Uh, my parents moved down here um, <clears throat> about a year ago. So I've been obviously traveling since then, but um, I'm finally like back in the States, <clears throat> just like settled down for a little bit. Um, still kind of in a weird place, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I could go to a, um, a tryout that um, is a team in another team in Mexico. So I'd go back down to Mexico and play there in April. The tryout is in two weeks, but um, I don't know, man. There's another part of me that um, kind of wants to do something else. Um, yeah. I'm in a, a very uh, pivotal place in my life. Like I can go two different directions right now. So yeah. I haven't really like made a decision, which makes this podcast kind of interesting, but, um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Did I tell you, like, I got hurt, like when I was playing, um, yeah, yeah, that whole situation we can talk about, but I still have like a, technically I still have like a torn meniscus right now, but I feel fine. Like, I can like run and like it's a very weird injury. It's, it's like, you can do everything, but it's this one movement where my leg like fans outwards that causes this sharp pain. So, um, I would need surgery to get it fixed too. It doesn't heal on its own, but it's only like a four week recovery, like three or four week recovery. Um, but I don't have health insurance right now because I've been traveling. <laughs> like I've, oh, yeah. I've been everywhere, but the U S so I haven't had health insurance for the past like two years. So Jeez weird yeah, yeah i'm 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 definitely like um <clears throat> right now just like letting everything come to fruition before i make it like my decision and obviously this tryout is huge so um i'm gonna play like taping my knee with a torn meniscus for two days on this trial and i i did that for a month playing in this league i was playing in which is what i'll get into more when we really talk about it yeah, yeah. Um, but um yeah like i'm gonna try and just do this tryout for two days tape my knee play with it and then um i'd have like a two three month period where i can get surgery rest and then go back down in april but like i said there's a part of me that also um like i could go i could go do a different thing i could go do content creation for this for this guy's company and then um work as like a basketball skills trainer on the side and stuff like that so i don't know man it's a weird we'll we'll cover all of this uh, as we cover your journey in mexico so um well, I, I want to hear, to... before we go, can I hear about you guys? Like, what have you guys been doing, like, since since the Masters ended? Oh, junk and stuff. <laughs> what have you been doing? Uh, I guess, uh, so we've been grinding the podcast. We've been, um, you know, trying to build the consultancy up. Um, we actually got invited by BPS, so the British Psychological Society, to, to go to one of their conferences to help with um, some con- content creation. And that was in Liverpool, so that was really cool. Um, it was like our first time of doing like a live podcast. So it was really, uh, it was really tricky at, at, at the beginning, but you know, we just got used to it. There was so much that we had to keep the rhythm going. So you know, we, we got yeah, used to it quickly. To you guys for keep, like, the fact that I mean, I've obviously followed you guys. Like you guys have been keeping this going since the beginning, like nonstop. Obviously, like the like the thumbnails have gotten better. Like the um everything has just like taken such a step up so it's just been really cool for me to see since like what was the last time we did this like april you were like our third guest so that must have been yeah it must have been april it was a th- yeah yeah that was yeah, I mean, yeah that was early days yeah very early days but it was uh 
yeah it was one of our it was one of our favorite podcasts um that we recorded that was that's yeah, for sure you're, you're our first returning guest so uh, yeah <laughs> it must be an honor <laughs> pressure on um uh, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of like improving the stuff like yeah we're constantly trying to do that and you know we've hired uh two interns to to come on board and help us with that and yeah. use their expertise mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's wow. getting real yeah, you were blown up right in front of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, come out of uni, you know. I, as soon as I finished that master's, I thought to myself, like, you know, I'm not in a system anymore where <laughs> you just need to keep grinding out assignments. And you sort of like within in that world, you know, you're out on your own now, and you've sort of got to exactly pave your way. Like blueprint, man, and that's the thing. Have you guys started any of like the accreditation process or anything like that? Like, do you like what have you been starting to do for that? yeah so yes uh, so so i uh I, I took the professional doctor route so there's three place three unis that do it in the uk uh, and it's basically like a kind of phd mixed with like the stage two accreditation in like one so uh so i'm doing research and the stage two accreditation basically right now and i started like in october so i went straight out of the masters into education again so uh so that was a bit, exactly it's best to do it now i thought it was the right decision what they were offering was was nice so yeah that's kind of my my update nice. my mine's sort of like you know i come out and obviously it was a prof doc or it was bases or it was bps in terms of which one i went for so i just sat down you know reflected on what i wanted to do and uh I just think, personally, I'm done with writing assignments and all of that, and I'm, I just want to be more applied. So, basis ticks that, but ticks that box. And then I thought to myself, you know, I own a gardening company. What sort of earns me my money whilst I do all this uh, until this becomes a money earner? And uh, I really want to focus on that as well, building that. So, eventually in the future, you know, that's a business that I have where I don't really need to be there, and it sort of functions on its own whilst learning me nice. money. Passive income, yeah. Yeah, so if I can do that whilst, you know, training to become an accredited psychologist, then that'd be really good for me. So I feel like, and also, you know, I've moved in with my girlfriend and, you know, we're looking to get a mortgage. I just didn't want anything too demanding whilst trying to become accredited. Yeah, you've got a lot of stuff going on, huh? I actually applied tomorrow for basis. So, uh, yeah, I need to get that application done. I found myself a supervisor and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to actually practicing. Haven't haven't yeah, done yeah, any of that yeah. yet. So work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Joey? Are you planning to like do any of the accreditation in the UK or in the US? Uh, like what, what's your plan? Yeah, in the US it's a little different. Um, it's just like the American Sports Psychology Association. Mm. Um, and <clears throat> there's different ways you can do it, but um really like the main way is just like pretty much having a super it's it's similar to like basis, like having a supervisor doing like I think it's like five hundred hours of of like shadow work um i haven't i haven't started that yet just because um one it's easier to do in the u.s it really is just like the the shadow work and then you can pretty much get it um and two it's like i the the people who i've been connected with in the sports psychology field weirdly enough like the the two people who i'm like really like one of them works for the texas rangers one of them is like uh he's like he works with a bunch of nba players he's like been my mentor since I got it he's what got me into sports psychology and and neither of them have the accreditation which is so interesting to me which is just like made me realize and I've just kind of adopted this mindset like it's really like for me I'm really just trying to like do the work so I work with 
I work with um, a team right now and I work with um, uh, like a high school girl as like a one-on-one. So I'm, I'm pretty much just like doing the sports psychology work without the accreditation, which maybe, you know, people would call unethical, but I mean, I've seen it from so many people and I feel like I have the experience just as like a basketball player. Like I'm working with a basketball team and I'm working with a girl who played basketball. So it's really more like a, maybe more like a mentor role than a sports psychologist role, but I really just use, it's pretty much just all sports psychology um tactics and and techniques used as far as like what we do but um no I mean I'm definitely like taking it a little slower just because I'm still playing and I want to like really like exhaust my hoops career and um also like become like more of like a basketball trainer like I want to do more like hands-on stuff too so I don't know what what route I'm going to go it's definitely going to be different than the typical like get your accreditation you know like work for a clinic be like a clinical psychologist and work for like a, a team or through, through that type of route, it would, it would, it's probably going to be a little more unique and a little more like carve my own path, which is what I've wanted to do for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> I remember you saying that in the first podcast where you wanted to sort of integrate basketball, you know, yeah. sort of as a coach with sports psychology services. So it's good that you're doing that. I find it crazy. The, the two different cultures, you know, when we speak to Americans and like, you know, their sort of route and how they go about it compared yeah. to the UK. You know, we that BPS thing. You know, they were it was very frowned upon to uh, to do without accreditation. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, I, I, I just find it yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. But, but they work with the NBA, so you know, like this is how I got introduced. It's like I I came into sports psychology a very unique way. Like I came in through this this guy who got his masters and then just like went off on his own journey and made it like big like huge like makes like millions of dollars doing this shit so it's like i see that and that's like okay i want to do that you know like typical like you, you if you if you see something right in front of you you see like the you see it practically working you see how it's like actually um it's actually like a feasible option to do this. Like it's not yeah. just like a dream of like, Oh, I want to go out and like do my own thing work. No, like this dude is actually doing it. So it's like, I, that was my perspective from the very beginning, instead of like going to school, having to figure out like, okay, you do you do your masters, you do your accreditation process. Maybe you go back to school and then you work for a team when you're like 35, 40, and, you know, yeah. start from there. But <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I just, and it's funny because it is definitely like a cultural difference too. like Americans, of course, like the American dream, you know, like build your own path and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But um, <clears throat> no, I, I don't, I don't think one way is better or worse. I think the way that the route that you guys are going is very like, it's, it's a lot safer. It's a lot more secure and you know, you're going to like actually get the work. Whereas for me, I have to almost like reach out and like find my own work. You know, I have to really like do it and, and hope people will be okay with that just be even though i'm not accredited like i don't have like the certification you know but mm. yeah. who knows i'm, I'm I, I plan on getting it eventually um i just have to meet a good supervisor because both the people i know don't have accreditation so that's why i have to i have to have a supervisor who's already in the society already um accredited so that's where i'm i kind of want to wait till i have build a relationship with someone who is accredited and get to know them and then work with someone i want to work with <clears throat> How have you found practicing like in general you know um, what the what's that experience been like um is it more difficult or than you expected or is it is it easier yeah. it's hard because you never know you never know what results you're, you're you're getting man you never know like 
you never know if it's working honestly like especially with like a I work with like a 15 year old girl so it's like you know she's in a very changing time of her life in general right now you know like she has a lot going on just with everything in school like friends like there's so much going on in life of a 15 year old girl and basketball is usually not like the top of the list as far as like what they're always thinking about so you know you never know like you never really know like I'll go out of a session and be like I don't like I hope it hit like I hope she she really like felt that but I'm not I'm not sure I don't really know and that's the part you really have to come to terms with and accept as a sports psychologist like you have to you have to really accept and have full faith in, in the idea that like the stuff that we're doing does work. And the reason we're all in, in, in this field is because we know that firsthand, we know that it does work. We know that it has benefits. So you almost have to fall back on that faith and that, that optimism of just understanding that, Hey, sometimes you might not feel that it's working. You might not think that it's working, but it is working. You have to just full, you have to accept that. And um, as well as sports ecology, you know, it's a, it's not a one, one time magic one fix, you know, you got to do it multiple times. So that's been the, the, the thing for me, I've just been trying to like hone in on that. Like every time I do a session with her, yes, she's getting better. She might not feel it right away, but she's getting yeah. better. <clears throat> I've started practicing with a few clients. Um, and one thing that I've experienced is um, having that sort of pressure to give them answers to their questions, but it's impossible to give like like especially the first sessions to give these answers like you have to like sometimes just talking with the client is is enough for them and and I think that's bad from my perspective I'm thinking about myself too much rather than the client itself like themselves and that's something I really need to work on like it's not about myself like despite me having all these anxieties at the start I need to like hone like my kind of like lens to, to the client themselves and, and not think about myself I don't know, I don't know if you've experienced that kind of at the start yeah. and and most of the time you don't like you can't answer the questions and I've noticed this from yeah. the psychologist who I work with and I, it's cool because I got to play another season so I worked with him more so from the other perspective as like the the, the person getting worked on and I notice he says mostly the same thing when I, I I'll frame a question and I'll ask a question and the answer is usually very similar. Like the answers are all connected and it's like, well, you just have to accept, like, it's all about accepting, accepting, accepting. Well, like, I just don't know how, like, I'll ask a question. Like, I, I don't understand how I'm supposed to be able to perform at a high level when I'm playing on a terrible court outside. I'm playing with like guys who just don't deserve to be playing at the level they're playing at. Like, it's crazy. Like some of the, some of the things in Mexico, like there's just not that there's some players that just aren't good. So it's like, I have so many questions and all of it goes back to the same answer. You always answered it the same way. You have to just accept all that, all that, all that stuff that is happening. There isn't an answer for it. You can't change it. Like most of the time, the things people are asking are things that are just like, you're not going to be able to change it. Cause you think about most of the problems that people come up with in sports, it's like coaches, teammates, um, like a bad playing environment or like you're not getting you're not getting playing time like all of those things like all of those things have another person involved another person involved that you cannot control you can't you can't tell them what to do you can't make them change their decisions so it's like most of the time yeah it is like very similar like it's a very similar answer and you're pretty much saying the same things I've noticed that with the girl I work with I say the same things like over and over and over again we probably had like Gosh, I've been working with her since like April. So we've been, we've probably had like 30, 40 sessions. And it's like, <clears throat> I've probably said 
the same things like every single time. So it's mm-hmm. like, you just phrase it, you just phrase it a little differently and you make it relevant to what she's going through at the moment. Whereas like that changes constantly. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, you almost kind of just have to keep your, keep your pillars consistent the entire time. But obviously like you, there's a skill in being able to adapt what you're saying to, to the relevancy of, of their life at the moment. <clears throat> mm. Well, I remember you saying in the first episode also that in in the US, you guys don't really have like a kind of intake interview. Like you don't really have that structure where you do the intake and then you do the case formulation, et cetera, et cetera. So what is your kind of approach to it? Is it just like, do you, how do you prepare for sessions? Is my question in a sense. Um, I, I think do. intake interviews are like really good. Like I actually do think they're really important because not necessarily the intake interview itself, but um, just being able to build a relationship with someone is like so important for our field. It's obviously important in any field, you know, like I've heard in, in every field, you know, it's all about relationships. It's all about who you know, right? Like that's like a classic cliche. In this field specifically, it's like, I feel like it's, it's, it's like 10 times more important because it's really about being able to let that person trust you and, and having to open up about feelings and thoughts and and things that you are not comfortable telling a stranger. So it's like that intake interview. Um, I don't necessarily, I, I didn't do it that way. Or I, I, I wasn't given it in that format um, from my sports psychologist, but I didn't even realize the way he was doing it was still very similar. It's a very similar structure because he's the first couple of sessions were him just getting to know me. We were just talking and I didn't realize it was pretty much the form of an intake interview, but it felt more natural. <clears throat> it felt more, it felt way more conversational. I think that's like the biggest skill. Um, and something that I wish I said more when we were in the masters, um, like, especially like during the courses, um, I would have loved to hear like, how do you make the intake interview more conversational? Because that's a skill. Obviously you go into every session having like these questions you want to ask the person for the intake interview. And you, you have this list of questions, but that's, that's not the hard part. Like the hard part is being able to integrate all those questions in a way that makes it feel like a conversation rather than like an interrogation or like a, like an actual interview. That's why I hate the word interview too. It's like, it's not an interview. You're not having an intake interview. You're just having a conversation. It's just structured along the lines of questions that, you know, get you the answers you need to get. But I love the idea of it. It's, it's building relationships is the most important part about sports psychology by far. There's nothing, you can't do anything else without that. So it's like, you have to build the relationship first. Definitely. So, so you, you mentioned Mexico um, earlier. Let's go on to that experience now because I'm really interested to know about it. Um, obviously, since we last talked, you've gone and played basketball overseas in Mexico. You know, what, what was that experience like? Give us a, give us a whole overview of how it was um so i was there for about three months um a very short season through the standards of basketball most seasons are much longer than that i was playing in a covid shortened season um so it was it was three months it was a lot of games so i was playing in the beginning it was probably like three games a week but um by the end of the season i was playing four five games a week so sometimes uh, there was two weeks in a row where I played five games in a week which is insane like that's yeah. <laughs> just not how the body should work so obviously like yeah my body definitely took it, it, it took a toll on my body that that season um it was fun it was an incredible experience um I, I had to learn how to like 
not only play basketball in a different country because it is different everywhere you go um but also like i had to like speak a different language and learn how to um interact with a whole different culture and luckily i had known spanish i had, I had taken a lot of spanish growing up so i was i, I had a, i had a good base but um i learned a lot more going there in the three months i was there i feel like i got way more better than nine years of school combined so it's like i mean it, it being able to like be immersed in the culture was probably the coolest part for me just seeing a new culture and, and, and having to speak the language but it was really tough to be honest man like overall like it was fun it was really fun but it was insanely hard just like waking up every day having to like all right got to turn my brain on for every single conversation today you know like you can't you, every conversation I have to be thinking I have to be thinking about what I'm saying with other people I had one other American there who was um you know, I got, I got really close with, and, you know, obviously we bonded just over the fact of being different and speaking English like that is alone going to, going to help you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the experience overall was incredibly challenging yet rewarding. So, um, it, it, it was very hard being away. Um, it, it was weird. It was closer to the United States. So like being in England or I had gone to Australia, speaking English, you can actually talk to people. Um, sorry, is my internet? Did you guys hear that? Is it my internet connection? It cut, yeah, it cut a little bit, uh, but it's not too much of a problem. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, like it, it, it felt like I was very far away because I was in such a different culture. Um, yeah. What what were the main culture di differences like specifically maybe in basketball? Um, you know, all the differences between all the different places you've played, so America, England, you know, Australia. This one was by far the most physical as far as on the court. Um, okay. Just you could get away with a lot more. Um, the refs would not really call a lot. Um, they'd swallow their whistle a lot and that was something I was not used to in the beginning and I had to adapt to, but um, yeah, I mean that as far as on the court was the biggest difference off the court. I mean, <laughs> they're just crazy over there, man. Like they're just so laid back and loose with everything. Like we would show up to games sometimes 20 minutes before tip off, man. Like that's unheard of. Like to show up to a game 20 minutes before it starts, like, and this is not stretching. Like we're in a, we're in like a small van, I mean, I, I made a vlog. Yeah, I watched the vlog. Like, yeah, that was the best I could do at um, kind of encapsulating the experience because yeah. I could. It's hard to explain, man. The amount of shit that you, shit that you have to deal with. Just I saw everything. it was like you were playing like you you were the first team against the second team, and uh, the head coach like decided to stay home instead. <laughs> just didn't come and it's weird too because that that video is is funny it, it, it paints that picture little little does that that video doesn't show the fact he was there he was sitting in the parking lot when we were all getting in the bus ready to go and then at the very end he's just like all right see you guys later in spanish obviously and we were just <laughs> like we were just like we looked at each other like wait what and we looked in the back of in the bus and everyone was like oh, i'll see you later like have a good one like they're all like everything was normal <laughs> And we're just sitting there like, what? Did you win? Did you win? We did win. We won that game. That was his tactic. Seeing <laughs> <laughs> that you cope in chaos. <laughs> yeah, we were just like so confused. Like, All right, shit, man. <laughs> Jesus. Were you quite accepting of like this difference or was it like really tough for you to adapt to? Like, So hard. 
first the first it's funny the first three games i shot um three of 25 from three so Jeez. <laughs> terrible shooting terrible. the bowl though <laughs> yeah i was shooting it but yeah. getting them shots up because shooters shoot but um it was really hard in the beginning. And that's like what I I'd mentioned. Like I, I talked to my sports psychologist about this so much. I was like, I just, there's too many things that are like, like, I, I just felt like it was unfair. Like I was like, I don't like, I'm, there's a, they're fouling me the whole game. I'm playing outside at home. Like the, the gyms or the gym sucks. The, the rims suck. Everything sucks. And I was just like complaining in the beginning the whole time. And this whole idea of acceptance was really something I hadn't had to come to terms with from a basketball standpoint until this, because um, I think basketball players go their entire careers without accepting. I think the idea of, um, and sorry, not just basketball players, it's, it's just athletes in general. It's just the idea of like, coach didn't let me play. Like, God, oh, this is like so annoying. Like this ain't my fault. This is coach's fault. That whole mindset. And that's just like a, an example, but that whole mindset is so common in athletes. And it's like, you can get away with it. You can do it. Like you can, make it to the top. I mean, someone that like, I, I hate to say this, but LeBron James is a crybaby. Like he whines all the time and he's like never just fully accepting of his situation. And that's like, clearly you don't need to do that. But for someone like me, who's not as athletic, you know, six, two on a good day, one, like one ninety five, soaking wet, <laughs> that's the step. But like, I have to, you know, there's an advantage that can be gained there. So it's like, for me, I learned how to just like, let all of that go. Like none of that really matters at the end of the day. It's like, you're out there playing the game you love in a completely different country. And I started to find a lot more gratitude as the season went on. Uh, and that really helped me just like practicing gratitude, even like writing down um, in my journal, like, like three things I'm grateful for every day. Uh, that That's by far the, the, the the most combative emotion to that um, lack of acceptance a lack of acceptance or crying or whining that type of stuff the best way to combat that is through gratitude and practicing like gratitude is an active emotion you know you can work on that it's not something you can just you randomly feel it's something you can really work on it's a skill that you can get better at so that was something I really had to had to work on when I was when I was down there Mm. I find that with the current I'm, I'm gonna have to clip that open center to the Man U team because you know obviously me and John are, are Manchester United fans you know the players already the, the new managers come in and you know he's been there less than a month and the players are already like throwing him under the bus and, and you know saying they're underwhelmed by his tactics like the guy's known for his tactics and it's just like it's just they're in an uncomfortable situation where this manager makes them actually graft and work hard um, and obviously under Oli, maybe they had it a bit easier, but every manager they seem to have, they always seem to blame it on the manager and let him take all the blame whilst they are just, you know, they're still in the job at the end of the day. And the, the players can't get sacked, the manager gets sacked. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I definitely, yeah, I just pray, you know, man, you get better. <laughs> That's just me ranting about how bad man you are. <laughs> so, yeah, man. It is, it's so consistent in every sport. I, I, I shouldn't, I, feel bad egotistically seeing basketball players it's, it's all athletes it's literally something that goes on in every sport um 100%. yeah i know yeah man you probably not, it doesn't look good to see in man city at the top of the table either huh yeah, yeah. yeah. horrible it's, it's depressing but uh in terms of that uh language barrier you know how was that obviously we, we spoke about your coach the head coach getting instructions from 
a coach? Like, did he try and speak English to you or um, how was it for you to try and, you know, fit into his system on how he wants to play if you can't understand the language? Yeah, I think that's also like in the beginning, that was one of the hardest things is I wanted to kind of play my way because he doesn't speak any English. So right. we would definitely, we were button heads a little bit in the beginning because he wanted me to do all this stuff, wanted me to run this offense because I was the point guard as well. So the coach and the, and the point guard, that's like the most important relationship, right? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I had to really come to terms with like being able to let him do his thing and still find a way to play my game. Um, that was something that definitely like when I was in the first three games and I was shooting so poorly, that was what I was saying. I was like, coach isn't letting me play my game. Like I was saying all this stuff and I realized it took me, it took me a little bit. That's the funny thing. It, it you, you don't realize you're in that frame of mind until like you have to come to this realization and, and it starts with acceptance. Like I said, but he would talk to me in Spanish. I mean, the coach would tell me plays in Spanish. He'd tell me what to do in Spanish. And there was a lot of times where I would not really fully understand it and just be like, yeah, I got you. Like, see, see, yeah, see, yeah, see, yeah. see. <laughs> and it's like, it, and, and it's funny. Cause that would happen multiple times in VR. Like, it's fine. Like, it's all right. And that just goes to show that like through all this stuff, like you can complain about your coach all you want. You can, you can complain about your teammates, the reasons you're not playing well, the reasons you're not getting playing time, you can put it on your coach. But when you realize, when you finally have a good game, you realize you're like, well, shit, it actually wasn't the coach. It was me making myself believe that it was the coach because that's when you, that's when you give yourself that cop out. That's when you allow yourself to, I mean, I don't know if fail is the right word, but it, you allow yourself to just settle and, and, and be complacent. Whereas for me, I was, I was almost, I started changing my mindset as a challenge. I'm like, okay, if I can play well, if I can find a way to like figure this out with all this stuff going on, then my potential is endless. And that'll give me, that'll give me way more confidence moving forward. As far as like, just being able to smell, just taste success. If I can just have one good game. And that's really what happened. Like I, I got out of that shooting slump, you know, I, started getting a little like more comfortable within the team, within the coaches. Like uh, I was getting better at Spanish too. So I just felt a little more comfortable and things just started to blossom, man. And I just started to play so much better. And it really did have to do with just like accepting everything, man. Like it's okay to have all that shit happening. It doesn't mean it's, it's like, everyone says like, Oh, my coach sucks. My teammates suck. Like, yeah, that can, that can be the case, but that doesn't have to lead into the next thought of, that's why I'm not playing well. It doesn't have to. And that's what I learned. It's like, you can have all that, all that bullshit going around, all that stuff going around. And it, and it does not affect the way you're going to play, but people are so quick to jump into that, into that black hole of like, well, coach isn't playing me. So fuck this. Like, I'm not going to play. Yeah. Like, I'm, this is it. And then they detach from it. And it's, um, <clears throat> I see it so often, man. It's so, it's sad to see because you, you can get through it. You just have to be persistent and you have to continue to push through that and just focus on yourself. hundred percent. You sound like you've had to adapt and like overcome quite a lot of barriers there. Like how much do you think this experience has helped you improve as a basketball player, but also, you know, as a person, like what are sort of the main takeaways and how much do you think it's helped you improve? Um, <clears throat> I mean, on the court for sure it's definitely helped me just become more of an all-around player. Um, I've learned how to, and and all around, I don't necessarily mean like shooting and rebound, like the skills in basketball. I mean, like all around as far as like 
being more stable as far as 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 far as like mentally physically emotionally like how I feel when I'm on the court um I just feel a lot more balanced and and a lot more um <clears throat> a lot more stable just like I, I can I can go through a three of 25 shooting slump and be fine like I can I can do that like I've I've dealt with <clears throat> with those types of failures now and, and and it's a lot different because I've never dealt with that. Obviously I've had shooting slumps before, but I've never dealt with a, a shooting slump where it's your job, where it's like, this is, this is like, you're like, they could cut you at any moment. And it's funny because I was with an American and they cut him originally. So I was with an American and they cut him after the first two games. And then they signed another American a week later. So it's like, I witnessed, I was, it was right in front of my eyes, how quick this could be over. <clears throat> so I think I definitely got a lot more just like I wouldn't say confident because I already am like I already I, I already feel very confident in basketball and I, I think that is an action so it's like something that I do like I, I practice I've practiced that for years as far as like acting confident on the court but I just feel a little more like I can do this you know it, it's it's like a it's like an underlying underlying sense of 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 just like I don't know, optimism and hope that I, I really do think I can do this and I can't play at that level. As far as off the court, I mean, definitely made me more patient because um, <clears throat> being mean in this type of country, you can't say what you want to say. You don't, I'm playing with kids. Like there's a rule in the league I was playing in where you have to play like a youth player in the first quarter. So I was playing with like a 17 year old for the first quarter of every game. And that's so frustrating like that. I don't even want to get into it, but you learn, you learn how to like, okay, this is actually an opportunity. I can help him. Like I can actually, this, this, this guy is, this kid is in a, you know, he's not, doesn't deserve to be in the game right now, but I can, instead of just like being angry, like it's, it goes back to the same thing, man. It's like, I just accepted it. And I was like, okay, how can I help him? Cause once you accept, you start to look, look for solutions. When you're complaining, you don't allow yourself to go there. When you're, when you're too busy, like, allowing excuses to get involved you don't think about solutions you don't think about how you can make it better whereas when you accept it's really not about it's not about the acceptance it's about <clears throat> when you accept you you allow yourself to be open-minded and when you allow yourself to be open-minded then you look for solutions and you look for a way to actually like improve the situation you're in so that's that's by far like the biggest thing i learned from these three months yeah when you mentioned that uh obviously a youth player has to play you know when i was watching the vlog i was thinking you know some of these look uh, really young <laughs> mm. um you know the physicality do you think that's helped you as well because in england it's quite common for young footballers to be sent out to the lower leagues where you know it's more physical um and they sort of become a man in the sport where you know, they can hold their own now. Do you feel like that's helped you and you've added that to your game now where, you know, you can go back to wherever you go now and sort of be more physical and hold your own more? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it requires you to be a lot more. Um, <clears throat> you just have to know how to deal with the physicality more. I don't know if I've gotten more physical from playing in this league, but I've definitely gotten a lot better at dealing with it. Um, yeah. And this is all sports psychology as well, because naturally when you think of athletics every every athlete can relate to this like if someone's being physical with you that makes you frustrated and mad like on the surface like obviously you can go into deeper thought to get by it but if some random dude is like all up in you like on some the can be intimidated and... by it as well yeah sorry so it's me then i'm panicked um... <laughs> <laughs> if, if you play that back on the thing you'll see me like quickly going to a panic like oh no <laughs> 
what's going on yeah. oh man um <clears throat> but no i mean <clears throat> i definitely think um sorry sorry what were we talking about sorry I yes just... so it was on the point of you know um it could be intimidating it could be frustrating when people right yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some people would find it intimidating, but at, at the end of the day, you're going to feel some sort of negative emotion, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's like, I learned how to reframe it and almost treat it as like, someone would be very physical with me and say, we'd both end up on the ground. I'd go help them up. Like I, I had this um, weird mindset of just going the exact opposite direction on the surface to almost make it seem like I wanted them to know, Hey, this literally, this does nothing to me because that's yeah. the biggest thing. Like, it was really like the local players were being extra physical with the Americans. That's kind of how they like level the playing field a little bit and almost how they, they, they want to get into our heads more than anyone else because they know we're in a different country. They we're not used to this. And we're like, the Americans are always like the best players. So it's like, that's pretty much some, every team has one or two players where that's their job. It's like to just rough up the Americans. Yeah. So for me, I learned how to really like, you can really mess with them when you're just like, if they're doing all that and you're like, hey, good defense, man. Like, oh, great. Like, that was a great block. Like, great, great job. Oh, you, you fell? Let me pick you up real quick. You just knocked me down. Let me get up and help you up while I'm at it. Yeah. And then on the inside, I'm on the inside, I'm livid. I want to like, I want to destroy this person. But on the outside, I'm very, I'm the exact opposite. And I think that's something that I'm kind of learning is like how to find my play style mentally. Cause it's, that's like one of the coolest things to me is everyone plays differently, obviously, like, within their sport but also everyone like plays differently mentally like within their sport some people are extremely emotional some people are more reserved so like for me i want to i want to kind of carve out my own like you can you can create your own play style to an extent so that's that's like for me like what i what how i learned was like the best way to do it like i you're never going to see me get pissed i'm never going to let you see me get frustrated and and i i learned how to do that from playing in this league because it's so physical so it did it didn't make me more physical it made me it made me friendlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. <laughs> so, less physical. I can totally understand where you're coming from. I think I do a similar thing when I play football. You know, like you can't let them win if they, as soon as they see you frustrated, you know, they've won. They've that got makes one them better. That, 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 it's the whole goal of what they're trying to do. They're trying to frustrate exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And when they can't do it, you're in their heads. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. reverse you, psychology. You can flip it. You can really yeah. flip it. That's why yeah. I behave in the exact opposite manner that they want me to behave in. Yeah, and it's yeah. all like conditioning, right? Like it's, it's. I treat it like like I'm I'm a psych nerd, man. Like I love psychology. So like I, everything I'm doing is like based on on the psychological like mindset of 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 athletes and how they tick. And I know how athletes tick. I know, especially basketball players who are coming out here to be extra physical with me i know what they want so i'm going to give them the exact opposite yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah next time on the court you should whip out a journal article and show them uh <laughs> show, show the ground. you know what i'm gonna take this time to write three things i'm grateful for um you mentioned like they like to rough up the americans obviously i've seen on your instagram and on that vlog i mean i thought that guy had gone to mexico with you you know Ty, was it Tyrone, aka yeah, Jose Guapo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you was like you knew each other from before. Like you seemed like really close. How was that? Was that really helpful? You know, having that American with you in Mexico. Oh man, I mean Tyrone, TJ. He's like a brother to me now. It's crazy because I didn't. I had never met him before that, yeah. and it's funny because he he was 
there was another American who came in before and then he got cut and then um, Tyrone or TJ, as I call him, um, came in after that. So it was incredible just to have someone else there. Like that's, it could not be understated. It's so hard. We were there during Thanksgiving, which is obviously big in America. I know it's not a thing where you guys are, but it's like a, you know, it's like a big holiday for us. And we were in, we were in Mexico during it and it sucked because we were both like really homesick during that week. But um, I remember just like, um, they had got us Thanksgiving dinner and like it was not it, was, it wasn't like a good thing at all. it was like a takeout from like a you know like mexican place like they don't really do anything but mexican food so they were trying to like it's got enchiladas <laughs> <laughs> enchiladas and nachos but uh, i just remember that day specifically where i was like the food sucks like this shit isn't good right now we're just sitting in mexico on it was literally on the day of thanksgiving and we had a game that day too neither of us really even wanted to play but there was just a moment where I was like, God, thank God this guy's here right now. Like, thank God, not only is like just like another American, but it's actually someone I connect with and actually someone who I consider like a brother. So it's like, I don't know if I would have made it without having like someone yeah. there who actually like I connected with because it was, it was really hard and, and, and pro basketball, you have a lot of free time during the day, like a lot of, a lot of time, just downtime. So it's like, if I didn't have him there, I don't know, it would have been tough. It would have been a lot tougher for sure. What was your chemistry like on the court? It was fun. I mean, it's man. What he, position he, was he as well? Yeah, he's he's like a two guard, like a shooting guard, and I was okay. playing point guard. So it really was okay. like Perfect. it worked out really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I wanted that. I wanted someone who was just like he he would score like thirty a game, like easy. Jeez. So it was like I could just get him going early and, and just like you know pretty much chill and focus on like defense rebounding it's like getting getting people involved so I loved playing with him absolutely loved playing with him and I think we got really good at playing with each other down the stretch too um our last game we lost in the semifinals um and our last game we both I mean we lost in the semifinals but we both had um about 30 points each and we were just playing so well off of each other and playing so well with each other so I think you that's that's like the most important thing is how you play with the other American. Like I saw it with other teams, like those who didn't have two Americans that play together well, like they weren't gonna be that good of a team. So funny. So what's next then? So what are your future plans? Um as far as as far as playing basketball, um I kind of have a little bit of an opportunity coming up about um two weeks away to go to to a tryout um, to play for a team in the Ciba Copa, which is um, like the second best league in Mexico. Um, it definitely would be a step up from what I was just playing in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows with that as far as being able to do that. The problem is when I was in Mexico um, last month um, or the last three months, I, I got hurt um, right before playoffs. So it was the day, the game before playoffs, I had actually um, sprained my MCL. And I thought it was just a sprained MCL. And they told me it was like a three week injury. Uh, but I had gotten pressured from pretty much like everyone within the program, everyone within the, the club um, to like play. Cause literally like playoffs started that yeah. after that game. So I played on it thinking it was just a sprained MCL for about, uh, it was another month of the season. I played on it for another month um, and it hurt. Like it was not good. It definitely didn't, I didn't feel hundred um, percent. I had to tape my knee before every game. And when I got back, I noticed it still hadn't really healed yet. So um, 
I don't have health insurance right now, so I, I have no way to, to get it looked at without paying a fortune. So I'm 90% sure I have a torn meniscus as well, which is what makes sense as far as like it not healing and um, just the pain and the type of um, the type of feelings I'm feeling in my knee. It, it just makes sense that it would be a torn meniscus. So I have a decision to make whether I want to do this tryout, um, get surgery, heal up. It's only like a four week recovery. Um, and then, you know, if I make the team play, play in Mexico starting in April from April to like June or July, or, you know, moving on and doing something different and maybe taking a break from basketball for a little bit, um, mm. temporary or permanent break. I'm not sure you never know. So it's like, I'm in definitely an interesting time period right now. You kind of regret playing in the sense, I don't want to be that guy, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I love That's a great question. Because uh, great question. Um, I don't know. I don't, it's hard. It, it's hard to say regret. I don't know if I regret playing because I actually ended up like having a lot of good games. Like I think about my best games, funny enough, most of them actually happened after I got hurt, which is not necessarily, it doesn't mean that the injury didn't affect me it more. So it's like, I was just hitting, like I was shooting a lot better. So like that helped. And I, I think it was cause I had to shoot a lot better. Like, <laughs> I don't know that the psychology behind that, but I was like, I knew I was limited. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to be shooting for the most part. Like I'm not going to attack the Catch basket. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Like I almost like was like cool with it. I'm, I'm like, I already shot three of 25. I don't care anymore. Like I'm just going to start pulling. Yeah. And it worked out. It actually gave me like my best shooting stretch of the season. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 it's hard to say if I regret it because I don't have the MRI, MRI results if, or, or like the, the, the knowledge of like what actually happened yet. So like if, if, I've, if I knew that playing on it made my meniscus worse and made it like a way worse injury, yeah, obviously I would have regretted it. But I, I didn't know, like I had no knowledge or anything. So it's hard to really say I regret it. I can't, I can't say I regret it because I didn't know. And yeah. there was no way really to know. So um, yeah, I, I think it was, um, it was worth it. It was so fun that last month of the season too, playing in playoffs. So like, I, yeah. Nah, yeah, I wouldn't say I regret it. Okay. Would you, do you know, like this health insurance thing, like how frustrating is that? Like you must have to be so much more careful. How, how expensive even is health insurance? If, if you was to get that in America, obviously I'm so lucky to be in the UK where it's sort of oh, it's right. free. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, and that's the thing is I've really just been like, um, like I've just, I, it's the fact that I don't have health insurance is pretty rare. Like most people have health insurance in these states. Okay. Like, especially who are like working people. Most, most times health insurance is covered from like, like a job. Like if you get a job, they'll. Yeah. I was going to say, would a, like uh, a team maybe pay for that if, if you could sell yeah. yourself to and, them? And the thing is, is I would have gotten it covered in Mexico when I was down there, but I didn't know I had a torn meniscus. I oh. thought it was just a sprain MCL. So I thought, okay, it's going to heal naturally. I'll be good. Yeah. It wasn't until I got back home and it had, it had been like eight weeks and I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Like I, the MCL should have been healed by now. Like it's not just the MCL. So yeah. it, that, that was the problem is I didn't know until I got back. So like, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely like different routes you can go with getting health insurance. It's not like that difficult to get. It's more so okay. like, I'm just making sure I do it the right way to where I'm like, cause you don't want to, if you don't have health insurance, you, there's no point in getting, like, you can't you're going to spend so much money on a surgery yeah. you know, on like MRIs and all that stuff. So yeah. um, for me right now, it's really just about like waiting for the right uh, employer to, to yeah. like provide that for me because that's okay. really what it's about. Yeah. 
just on the uh, a final question before we move on to like the next section, you know, what advice would you give to someone who's going to play uh, a sport overseas, maybe where they don't know the language? What what sort of advice would you give? Um, I think it goes back to what I've been saying this this whole time is you have to be able to accept everything. You're going to go into a situation where you're going to be extremely uncomfortable. You're going to want to go back home multiple times. You're going to have those thoughts of like, I want to go back home multiple times. Mm. Um, you're going to get roughed up. It's not going to be pretty basketball. It's not going to be like what you grew up playing. It's going to be way different than that. Um, there's going to be so many things that are making you want to cop out and, and take these excuses because there are, there are multiple reads. Like there's so many things that like you can use as excuses, like valid excuses. Like, I mean, like even like, like there's a lot, <clears throat> a lot with like the club, like financially too, that is so common in professional sports. It's just like, they told me, they were like, they told me like, yeah, we actually lose money every year from this club. And I was like, that, that made me realize I was like, what are we doing? Like, what is, yeah. what is the point of all this? And like, when, and they're, and you know, they respond and they're like, we love basketball. Like we just love basketball and we, we love the culture behind it. And like, this is like our baby, you know, like this team is like our baby to an extent. And it's like, damn, you know, it may, it, it's, it's, there's so many things that go on, not then you. And when you get here, like when I, when I show up, I think it's all like, it's all like screwed up for me. I'm thinking like, well, this sucks for me. Like I, none of this, none of this is what I wanted it to be. You know, I wanted it to be like a lot better gym. I wanted it to be like, you know, a lot better facilities and, and like coaching staff trainers who would like actually, you know, work, work with me every day, like lifting every day, like stuff like, no, you're not going to get any of that. It's so much, it, it depends where you are obviously, but for the most part, you're going to you're going to have some things happen where it's like, damn, this is not what I expected. And this isn't what I wanted either. So it's like, if you're able to get through all that and almost treat it as a challenge, that's almost what it turned into for me. I was like, if I can do this, then it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to lift, lift my, my, my mentality up like so many levels. Cause I know I can do it. Like there's so many, so many hard things about it. And, and everyone who has played overseas understands like, um, there's, it's not the basketball part. It's all the other bullshit. It's all the other shit that you have to deal with, like financially, like the owner not paying you, the owner not paying your teammates. So your teammates aren't coming like to games now. Like, you know, there's there's so many different things that I could go on and on about. So it's really just you have to accept it all. You have to, because yeah. if you don't, if you don't, you're gonna get in this cycle, and this and this is exactly what I saw with other Americans, even the first American I was with. Um, you know, like it was all complain, complaining, complaining, complaining. And it's like, where does that get us? And I, and that's kind of what helped me get out of it. I was like, I realized like, I'm not, we're not getting anywhere doing this, like talking about how shitty the court is, how terrible the coach is. Like, it doesn't take us anywhere. So it's like, that's the biggest thing. You got to accept it. And then you got to find the solutions and have an open mind. I think you're going to be a acceptance commitment therapist. Uh, ACT, ACT. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That really is my style. Wow. It's funny. <laughs> I think on, my, on that project, I did the opposite. I did, um, what was the other one? CBT or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I so, you, yeah, you, you mentioned mentality there. And, you know, I don't think I asked you this last time. I think this is quite a new question um, that I've started asking guests. Um, and I sort of maybe one day we'll collate all the answers. Um, 
So I started asking them, it was around my projects what I did. And uh, it's so what psychologically do you feel makes a successful basketball player? What are like um, a couple of the traits that you think, you know, they're, they're the top ones? I think the biggest thing by far, and this is just, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think it's just consistent across all athletics. Um, yeah. It's the ability to respond to adversity. I think that's the the biggest thing is because, you know, every, every player, every athlete is going to fail. Every athlete is going to have games or matches where they don't play well. So it's like even the best in the world. Like <clears throat> I just watched Steph Curry shoot like three for 16 a couple days ago. So it's like the best players in the world have those days. Right. So it's like, it's not a matter of not having those days. It's a matter of how, what do you do after that? What do you do right after you have that failure? Cause it, it really is. It's, it's like, there's no, there's no middle ground. It's I, to me, it's so black and white. It's like you either, you either perform better or you let it continue to drag you down. So psychologically, I think there's, there's something to be said within like the, the way you, the way you appraise uh, failure, how, how are you, how are you perceiving that failure in your own eyes? Like, is, is, are you making that failure turn into, I suck, I'm trash, I'm never going to make it, like I'm not good enough? Or are you appraising that failure as like, ooh, this next one, I'm going to go off. Like, that means this next game, I'm going to be playing well. Like, I'm not going to have two bad games in a row. And that's something I've just, <clears throat> just from like watching basketball and like studying the game and just being around the game. Like, I've noticed like that's the biggest that's every successful player has that they have this like it's everyone says like this switch that they flip but you can see it it's like this palpable thing that you can see like they want they are not affected by their own doubts they're not affected by their 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 negative thoughts that are coming in they're just like fully uh, they're they're just they're very aggressive and they're very assertive as, as what as to what they want and they're not going to let anything come in between that so i would say that's the biggest thing it's just the ability to respond to adversity and failure yeah just on that I, I know a lot of what you put on sports like now that that account you know you talk about is it that next play mentality in <clears throat> basketball you know that, that's something around you know responding to adversity. yeah, yeah. and that's become that. almost like a it's funny how these 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 sports psychology concepts turn into like life like they're just like they're, it's yeah. so much bigger than basketball like next play yeah. speed is something that's like it doesn't even mean like it's not even like the next play it's like next game speed like you can you can connect it to so many different types of situations and it's like that by far is the most important thing i've learned from sports psychology being yeah. able to be present like stay in the present moment <clears throat> i feel like i've applied that you know i feel like that's been my biggest you know takeaway even in just general life yeah, not right. letting things affect you too much like when things go wrong you know sort of just accepting it like you said uh, i think that's yeah something that i've really improved um over the last year for sure um so moving on to you know i've been looking forward to talking to you about this um so as we know you're a massive golden state fan so why do you think that they're performing so well compared to last year obviously last year they finished ninth in their conference this year their first uh, at the moment, no. What what what's changed there that's made them so good this year? Um, well, first of all, they got rid of some players that don't fit the system. I mean, everything about Golden State is is a system, and that system is Steph Curry. And so, <laughs> when you have players who don't really understand how to play with him, it 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 
ruins the flow. Like there's no flow and basketball is really all about flow and rhythm. Like when you see good basketball, it just looks like, it looks like art, right? It's like, Oh, the ball's always moving. It, it just feels yeah. like something that's very fluid. So like <clears throat> for the warriors, they've always had this, this isn't something that's like new. It's not something that just like came to light. It's like, Oh, the warriors are good now. Like how did that happen? No, this is like more so the fact that like last year, it just happened to be that they didn't have the right team assembled. It, it, they had guys like Kelly Oubre, who I don't even want to talk about because he's <laughs> by far my least favorite player in the NBA. I have nothing against him. Probably yeah. a good guy. But like, as far as on the court, just doesn't understand how to play play the game the right way. Yeah. Uh, the other guys like Kent Bazemore are gone. Like they, we were playing like Michael Mulder, like some like really like low level guys last year. And now we bring in high IQ guys Like we brought back Igudala, who like knows how to play within the system. We bring, <clears throat> we bring in guys like Otto Porter. We bring in guys like Bialicia, like smart players. So the difference is it has nothing, nothing changed. They didn't change anything. The difference is, is they actually just brought in a, a little more balanced team, a little deeper team that knows how to play with Steph Curry. Because he's literally, he's the greatest offensive player in the history of basketball. And people don't really like, what I just said is probably still an unpopular opinion. But like, if you really watch the game and you, and you understand that basketball is 80% off ball, for the most part, like 80% of the game is played off ball. So it's like, <clears throat> so it's like, what are you doing off ball? Like, that's something that no one talks about. Everyone, uh, I mean, especially recently, it's all about like, you know, everyone sees like James Harden step back. So like Kevin Durant, like post-ups in the mid-range, like what are they doing with the ball? What Steph Curry does off the ball when he doesn't even have it is oh. something no one else has ever done in the history of the NBA because it's like he gets people points and it won't show up on the box score because he's running off screens and then two people will go to him and, and someone will slip. And that's the Warriors offense. That's what I mean. Like the system is Steph Curry because the system is about – a bunch of split action. So you, you throw it into the post. If you, if you watch the Warriors, notice how many times they play out of the post. So they'll, they'll, they'll throw the ball into the post, but they don't want to score. That's the thing. They're not trying to score when they get in the post. They're running a screen action for Steph. And so you can run Steph off these screens. And everyone is so concerned about Steph that when you, when you slip the screen, you're going to be open 60 to 70 percent of the time and if you're not open then Steph is going to be able to get open and, and do his thing so it's like it's unstoppable when you have a player like that who's always moving and just like knows how to move with the ball and then when you add the players who know how to like play with him and set screens for him then that's what happens you get to a 27 and 17 first in the conference going to win the NBA championship I'll say it right now on January 5th Okay. The Golden State Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. Steph Curry's going to win MVP. Draymond Green's going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve yeah. Curry's going to win Coach of the Year. Jordan Poole's <laughs> going to win Sixth Man of the Year. Shit. I mean, let's just give him everything. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Calm down. Calm down. Away <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to. I've been watching a lot of punditry around basketball, and you know, they highlighted the way Steph moves off the ball. Yeah, he must be so clever. Like the way. He, he thinks about the game and can envision plays, you know, that are just opening up based on how they're reacting to him. It's just unbelievable, I find. Like, they were highlighting, like, him. Oh, God, you just got to watch the video. It was, like, quite early on in the season when he was doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's mad. Obviously, it's so unique, too. That's yeah. what I love about the Warriors is, like, if you watch normal NBA basketball nowadays, it's a lot of, like, 
isolation. Like pretty much one person gets the ball and they're going to, you know, yeah, do, yeah. Do, do their thing and try and get an open shot. The Warriors don't play like that. If, if it gets to the end of the shot clock, yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, have to do that. But every time down they're, they're running a set and it's like a really, it's a very fluid set and, and their motion, the way they, the way they, the way they set up their motion offense is fully based on like getting the ball moved around the court and cutting off of it. So it's like, it's just so much more fun to watch. Like I'm obviously biased, but I've, I mean, that's something that like is pretty much like it's objective, man. Like watching basketball where the ball moves around is more fun than watching someone dribble for 20 seconds and then put up like a step back three. It's just like no one wants to like that gets boring after a while. I don't know if you guys saw, but the the Hawks and the Trailblazers just played. Yeah, um, Trey Young got like fifty-seven or fifty-six or something. Final score was like one thirty something to one thirty something, and I was yeah. watching some of that game, and it is exactly what I just explained. It was pretty much just get the ball, come down, do a move, take a shot. If you if you get the offensive rebound, good, do it again. If not, other teams going to go and do the same thing. There was very rarely like structured offense being played and so that's the difference like most teams play that way where it's like just come down set a set a screen come off the pick and roll and then play off that the Warriors just play a completely different style and that's why they're so good is because teams aren't used to it so it's like and you have the best player of all time talk about you know that that chemistry that, that they've got you know and the system that they play and the players know how to play in the system you know I saw LeBron come out in an interview maybe a month ago or something where he came out in an interview and just said, you know, the team's got no chemistry. You know, we, we have no chemistry whatsoever. So with all them all-stars that they've got compared to like Golden State and, you know, how important chemistry is and knowing how to play in the system, you can just see how important that is in basketball. For sure. And it's funny too, because the Lakers, like you said, there's like multiple all-stars on that team. Obviously they're not like in their prime anymore, but yeah. like they have a lot of like, they have good players around their team. And this is like what the Lakers do every year. It's like, they build this amazing team or sorry, not the Lakers. This is what LeBron does every year. <laughs> he builds his own team. Yeah. He creates the team. He's, he goes out and tells people who to sign. Like, this is what he does. They call him lead GM for a reason. He's a general manager pretty much. And he does all this. He gets all these players. They don't play well. And then every, the, the entire narrative is LeBron doesn't have help, but it's mm. like, <laughs> LeBron LeBron was the one who set this up so it's like it's kind of fun I don't want to get into like I don't want to turn this into like an anti-LeBron podcast but it really (laughs) is like it really is like what like they have no chemistry because like you're bringing in guys who have played like this different style of basketball whereas the Warriors they just have this core of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre Gudala and and Clay hasn't even been there Andre Iguodala wasn't even there the last two years. It's really just Steph and Draymond. Like, if you just have those two, you can make it work. But, like, like I said, like, once you bring in more high IQ players, then, I mean, once Clay comes back in five days, four days, Clay's coming back on sun, this, this Sunday, January 9th. So, it's like, once oh, that sh- happens, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> like, who knows? Going to have to catch that for sure. I saw earlier in the season when uh, LeBron, um, you talk about him being like that GM, you know, where he got into that bust up with, uh, that, I forgot his name, um, but he oh, threw uh, an, el- an elbow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like they were like, oh, yeah, he's getting cut from the league or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've heard that guy's name since that incident. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's crazy how that works. <laughs> the thing is, too, is like, I will say this. Um, just out of respect like LeBron to me is the second best basketball player of all time he really like he is 
insanely good. The fact that he's doing this at 38 is yeah. unreal. And it really is like his team. He When they say he doesn't have LPI, I say like he's, he set it up. But his team, it's not his fault. Like it's there's a lot of other reasons why the Lakers aren't good. And it's not him. It has nothing to do with him. He's been playing really well too recently. Yeah, he's picking it all it's, recently. He's, he's getting on MVP form, you know. He, he could yeah, be pushing. Well, I think that award's <laughs> locked up, man. To be honest, you gotta be you gotta be a top three seed to win MVP. Okay. Can't um, be in that eight nine spot like they are. Yeah, no. Nah. Who who have you been uh, most surprised with in the NBA this season in terms of like a, a team or even a player? Um. <clears throat> well, I mean, just to go like away from the Warriors a little bit. Obviously, like the Chicago Bulls are like really. I mean, they're they're number one in the East right now. And that wasn't really expected. Obviously they made a lot of good, um, a lot of good moves in the off season, but like, they're definitely like the surprise team. And in the East, it's really, um, I mean, if Kyrie Irving doesn't come back and he's not playing home games, like it really could be anyone's conference. I obviously like the bucks just won it all. So like they're the favorite still, but I don't know. I think the bulls could actually like do some crazy do some crazy things and maybe make the NBA finals. Like we don't know. Um, I think I'd love to see that though. Yeah. And, and just to like go off that as far as a player, like DeMar DeRozan, like he's such a beast. I mean, he's so good and he didn't really get that much respect in San Antonio the past few years, but um, yeah, he's been balling out. Like he's been playing so well. Yeah. Um, Back to back game winners as well. That was uh, unreal (laughs) to watch. Tough shots too, like really, really difficult shots. That's what I found mad about Steph. You know, I feel like this season I've started watching basketball a lot more in depth, and um, you know the way Steph Curry shoots, where he's so contested and he won't even do proper shooting for me. He'll just like hook it off to the right, and somehow yeah. it'll go in. It's crazy. That's just reps on reps on reps, man. Yeah, yeah. So many shots that he doesn't even. And I can say that too. It's like sometimes when you don't shoot it with proper form, you know, you still can feel it. And it feels oh, yeah. like it, it still feels like it's going in. And that's like, you can see it when Steph shoots it. It'll even like, he'll just go like that. And he'll start like backing up with that. Like he does this little like half turn where he's like, kind of like sidestepping back, like as the ball is in midair. And that's when, you know, it felt good. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, he's, he's so fun to watch, man. Just like, cause you can see it. You can see the expertise yeah. tangibly. Uh, like in his body language in his countenance and the way he the way he walks like you can see all of it it's like this man has put in the work and he deserves to to feel like this i'll tell you a team that surprised me uh, i don't obviously not going to win the uh the finals but uh the cavaliers I feel yeah, like they've been performing well better than they should be performing you know i think they're sitting at five fifth or sixth at the moment in their conference yeah, yeah. doing really well for, for for the players that they've got they got like three big men too. They got um, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, <clears throat> Laurie Markkinen. Um, gosh, I mean, there's just like the, it's like three people over seven feet right there, and they they start two of them. So it's like they they play, they, they they once again have like a kind of unique team where it's like they're they're very um, focused on their bigs, which is rare nowadays. Um, but yeah, they've been playing really well too. I'm trying to think of like another player who has stood out to me. I want to say like I love um, the the rookie on the Thunder from Australia, Josh Giddy. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's got this like long, like flowy hair. Some people call him like Troy Bolton from High School Musical. If you guys have ever seen that movie, but like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course we have. It's a classic. 
Yeah, you got to. That's uh, that's that is exactly what American high school is like too. Let me tell you. Yeah, really. <laughs> like everyone's singing and stuff. Yeah. Breaking out. I can imagine. <laughs> okay. So, I've really been impressed with him too. He's. I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, I just pray that the uh, obviously I support the Raptors. So I just hope they can clinch playoffs just so I can at least watch them. Hey, they've been they've been doing well recently. Like they're they're actually getting healthy for the first time. Like Siakam's back, so they're yeah. actually like they've been playing well recently. I don't know. They play tonight, and I think I think they're playing a good team tonight. I think they're playing the Bucks tonight. So mm. it's a good team. I forget if it's the Bucks or someone else. But if they, if, I mean, shit, man, they they could make a run. And especially the the playoffs nowadays is ten teams, so it's like yeah doesn't even take much to get it <laughs> in the yeah. East, well i found that the conference that they're in you know you've got the i think below and you've got like the hawks um, and there's another team that's below them that are really right. strong so yeah yeah them. so it'll be interesting to see i just hope they can at least just get in there just so i can watch them in the playoffs for at least uh one series <laughs> but um yeah yeah so the final question i wanted to ask you i really quick reel it off um so in the current NBA, who is your current starting five? Instead of the viewers' questions, we're going to do this question. So who's your current starting five? And then also I want you to throw in a six-man. Oh, man. Can't pick the old Golden State squad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my current starting five. This is going to be very um, – this is not going to be, like, the best players in the league. I'm just going to make it – I'm going to try and create, like, a, a really solid team. Obviously, I'm gonna have Steph Curry as my base. Um, just I have to. I think everyone everyone can accept that. But um, <clears throat> as far as as far as everything else, I would probably go. So Steph Curry at the one. I'd probably go. Um, I'd probably go Dejounte Murray from San Antonio at the two, just because I think him and Steph could play really well together. Um, he's like a defensive minded guard. He's like six, six two, his long arm. So I feel like he'd compliment Steph really well at the two, um, at the three, hmm, at the three, maybe give me like, give me like buddy healed at the three, a shooter, someone who can run the floor and shoot just like kind of spot up for when Steph's, you know, Steph's attacking, always need another shooter. At the four, at the four, I mean, I have to go Draymond as well if I have Steph, just because he knows how to play with Steph. Um, and then at the five, um, I would say Rudy Gobert, but I have this, like, I can't do that, just out of, like, <laughs> personal preference. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I'd go with, um, I'd probably go with, like, um, I'd, I'd go with like Jared Allen or no, give me Evan Mobley, the rookie at center okay. from the Cavs. And then six man, um, six man, I'm going to go with my guy, one of my favorite players in the NBA. Doesn't get enough respect around here is TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell, I've never seen someone play so hard in my life at all times. So, you know, I respect that as a fellow white boy. Um, I got to go, go with my guy, TJ McConnell. I love that. And uh, how could I expect that you uh, were going to build it around Steph? I like how you've like built a system, though. You know, I respect that rather than just picking well, the best players. I didn't want to include Draymond, but like if I'm going to have Steph, you might as well put Draymond in there, too, because no one in the world is better at playing with Steph than Dre. So it's yeah. like I was exactly. thinking about just going, yeah, I could have just gone Steph Clay 
Andre Gudala, KD, yeah. and Draymond ran it back. Yeah, yeah, already, that, already was a team, so might yeah. as well create something new. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that they were all the questions we had for you. So uh, no, thanks for coming on, coming on, and uh, you know, chatting with us. It was great to catch up. You know, after so long, we should uh, definitely do it again in the future. We'll definitely Hopefully. keep in touch for sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. As always, I love being on here. You know that I love catching up with you guys and. Yeah, you know, I'm always open to come back on. Who knows? Like, at next time I come on, I might be in a completely different place in life. So, who 100%. knows? Yeah, for sure. Is there anything you want to like shout out? Obviously, all, all your socials and that will be in the description. Is there anything else you want to say? No, not really, man. Like, I, I just made a, I just made a vlog. I guess that's the only thing. But um, yeah, yeah, that'll be in the description as well. Yeah, we'll put that in for you. For sure, appreciate it. Sweet. Okay, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share it with your friends or someone you would feel would benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Also, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video. Or find us at Master in the Mind Podcast. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one.